Spiritually speaking, we are all born with a serious heart condition. Jeremiah 17.9 declares, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Now, here's the good news. At the moment of your salvation, that old, sinful heart was crucified, put to death. Your hardened, calloused, rebellious heart of stone was removed, and God gave you a new heart. You've had a total heart transplant, and now that you've been given that new heart, you must, above all else, guard your heart. Well, welcome to today's episode of the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry, and in this episode, we dive into the Word of God to discover how to prevent a spiritual heart attack. When uh, I think about a massive heart attack, I usually picture someone suddenly clutching their chest and collapsing. I'm sure you know that a heart attack of any proportion is not something to play around with. Every second matters in getting the proper treatment and in saving a life. I'm told that a heart attack occurs because the circulation of blood to the heart muscle is blocked. And if that blockage is not rapidly opened, then the heart tissue will die from a lack of oxygen. The result is a permanent heart damage and life-threatening problems. Now, I'm also told that the prevention of a heart attack is fairly straightforward. Don't smoke, don't use tobacco, exercise regularly, eat a heart-healthy diet, maintain a healthy weight, get enough quality sleep, and see your doctor for regular health screenings. Okay, okay. Now, in a podcast about sexual purity, why open with a dialogue on heart attacks? Well, as I said in the opener, spiritually speaking, we are all born with a serious heart condition. Jeremiah declared in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately sick. When God looked at man's condition in Genesis 6-5, we read, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jesus said in Mark seven twenty one and 22 that it is from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. That all comes from from your heart. Solomon, in all of his God-given wisdom, acknowledged that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23.7. In other words, the condition of your heart determines the condition of your life. Psalm 53, 1 gives evidence to that fact. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And as a result, the verse goes on to say, he is corrupt. He does abominable iniquity. You see, the condition of your heart determines the condition of your life. If you've come to a point in your life where you have acknowledged your heart condition, your, your state of sinful rebellion against God, and you have confessed your sinfulness before him. You have believed in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary to pay the full price, the full penalty for your sinful and rebellious heart. Then in Acts 16.31, God says, you're saved. You're born again. You're a child of God. Now, here's the exciting news. 
at the moment of your salvation, that old, wicked, sinful heart was crucified. It was put to death, Galatians 2.20. Your hardened, calloused, rebellious heart of stone was removed, and God gave you a brand new heart, Ezekiel 11.19. You have... You, you have been given a total heart transplant. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Well, not too long ago, a friend of ours went through a heart transplant. Since having this new heart placed within her chest, she has had to permanently, permanently change some of the aspects of her life. For the rest of her life, there are certain things she has to stay away from. Things that can do severe damage to her new heart. And as a result, she has to have a proper diet. She has to eat certain things. She has to do certain exercises. She needs to take periods of rest on a consistent basis. She must also take certain medications, and she must see her doctor regularly. Well, in much of a similar way, once you've become a born-again believer, once you've been given that new heart, that spiritual heart transplant, you must, you must, as Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Let me repeat that. As a born-again believer, as a child of God, as a redeemed person, you must, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Everything that you do comes from your heart, Proverbs 4.23. So let's dive into God's Word and let's discover how to maintain a healthy heart so that we can live a healthy life, a life that glorifies God in everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do. I have been thinking a lot recently about Sundays. Yes, you, you heard correctly, Sundays, the first day of the week. Specifically, I've been thinking a lot about going to church on Sundays. Now realize for some of you, you go to church on Saturdays, and, and, and let's not get caught up on the Sunday or Saturday thing here. I, I'm, I'm wanting to zero on this. When you go to church, why are you there? What is the purpose? What is your goal? How do I know? How do I measure whether or not I've achieved my goal? As I walk through the doors and join the others at church in corporate worship of God, I, I understand that my physical body is here to worship. That's why I walked through the doors. That's why I got up the, on Sunday morning and showered and got dressed and, and hopped in the car and headed to church. I, I mean, it's quite obvious. I'm there physically. I, I'm, I'm there to worship. But where's my heart? Is my heart there to worship? In Isaiah 29, verse 13, God says, This people draw near with their mouth. They honor me with their lips their hearts are far from me. Their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Does that describe you, my friend? Are you drawing near to God with your mouth? And are you honoring him with your lips, you know, singing the songs, reading the scriptures, listening to the message, while your heart, your heart is still far from him? Are you worshiping God simply because that's what a good Christian is supposed to do? James urges you to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded, James 4.8. Is your heart pure as you draw near to God Almighty? 
if you listen to episode 28 of our podcast, then you heard me remind you that every day is to be a day of worship. The psalmist declares, this is the day that the Lord has made. Psalm 118 verse 24. Today, this day, this moment, we are to rejoice and be glad in it. Today, right here and right now, we are to make every moment, every thought, every word, every action, all about glorifying God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So today, right here and right now, no matter what day of the week it is, no matter what time of the day it is, as you worship, your purpose, your goal in that worship must always be to draw near to God. You see, the intention of worship is not for you to go and get, but to come and give. It's not about you going to God so you can get something from God, but but rather to come boldly before God's throne of grace and give of yourself and all that you are to the one who gave it all for you. You should be able and willing to say along with David in Psalm seventy-three twenty-eight: for me, it is good to be near God. Well, Hebrews 4, 16 encourages us to, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. So how you doing with that? In fact, we're given the promise in James 4, 8, that when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. That's what worship is all about, my friend, glorifying him in the splendor of his holiness, Psalm 29, 2. But understand this, that will happen only as you seek first his kingdom in your heart and his righteousness in every aspect of your life, Matthew 6, 33. Now, God made it abundantly clear in Leviticus 21, 18, that no one, no one who has a blemish shall draw near to God. In other words, when I hold on to sin in my heart, when I refuse to remove King me from the throne of my heart, when I choose not to submit to the lordship and leadership of my heavenly Father in every part of my life, then drawing near to God means nothing. My praise and my worship are mere acts of the flesh, and they are worthless if my heart is not in it. Psalm 66 verse 18. I must first cleanse my hands and purify my heart, James 4.8. Otherwise, I'm just another person who's pretending to draw near to God on the outside, while the inside, my heart is far from him. Does that describe you? Consider this. If the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are going to be acceptable in God's sight, Psalm 19.14, then I must begin by crying out, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me, Psalm 51.10. So I ask you, seriously consider this next question. What is the condition of your heart right now? Do you have unconfessed sin? Have you been sexually impure this past week with your mind? Have you done things that were even slightly improper sexually? Is there, as Ephesians 5.3 says, even a hint, just a hint of sexual impurity in your life right now, in your thought process right now, in your heart right now? Drawing near to God always, always requires us to draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our heart sprinkled clean, Hebrews 10.22. 
So again I ask, as you choose to worship God right here and right now, as you choose to worship your Creator in this moment, are you drawing near with your mouth? Are you honoring Him with your lips and yet your heart is not right with Him? Consider this as you worship God throughout the day today. You must draw near to your Heavenly Father specifically to listen to what He wants to say to you rather than to offer Him your thoughts, your desires, your requests, your needs, your wants. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1 says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. As Psalm 46.10 puts it, Be still and know that I am God. Why? Because, as Habakkuk 2.20 says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. God is not here for you, my friend. Oh, no, 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 no. Quite the opposite. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. Colossians 1.16 reminds us that all things were created through him and for him. It's not about what you want. It's not about what you need. It's about not, not about what you desire. It's about what God's thinking, what God wants, what God's will is. So I strongly urge you, I challenge you, don't be like the men described in Ezekiel 33, 31, and 32. Don't be those who come to God as they usually do and sit before God to listen to his words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouth, they express devotion, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them, God is nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear God's words, but they do not put them into practice. Ezekiel 33, 31, and 32. Well, our attention for this episode and next episode is focused on how to prevent a spiritual heart attack. A person who physically has had a heart transplant is strictly instructed by their doctor, stay away from certain things. If you want your heart to be healthy, you want it to remain healthy, there are certain things, certain lifestyles you're going to have to change. Well, as a born-again believer, you have been given a heart transplant. Jeremiah 24.7 says that God has given you a heart to know Him. Ezekiel 11.19 says that God has removed your stony, stubborn heart, and He's given you a tender, responsive heart. As your great physician, God himself has given you similar instructions as a doctor gives a patient who has gotten a a new physical heart. God's instructions say if you want your spiritual heart to remain healthy, then there are certain things you must do, certain things you must stop doing, certain things you must stay away from to keep your heart healthy. For example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Oh, could the Savior of your soul be any clearer to protect your spiritual heart? Totally abstain from what Peter calls the passions of the flesh, those things that wage war against your soul, First Peter 2.11. 
when you look at porn, when you lust in your heart, when you fantasize and masturbate, when you look with your eyes and linger, when you allow your thoughts to dwell on sexual impurity, you are injecting your new heart with a terrible poison. You are training your heart to focus on and yield to the sinful desires of the flesh instead of the godly desires of the Holy Spirit. To to abstain from something means that you're restraining yourself, you're keeping yourself, you're, you're holding yourself back from indulging in that which, although it appears to be good for you, although it seems to be pleasurable and enjoyable, ultimately it's harmful to your well-being. So you're abstaining, you're restraining, you're keeping yourself back. Now, now, now think about that for a moment. To abstain from something requires effort. To abstain means that you are, you're forcibly holding yourself back from doing something that the flesh desperately wants to do. Paul describes it as an ongoing battle that made him absolutely miserable, Romans 7, 15 through 25. Can you relate? That battle is a battle that you and I also fight. It's one to which we must never, ever give in to. The reality is this. Your flesh will always crave pleasure. This is because your flesh is still governed by sin. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. In fact, when you listen to what the flesh wants, when you choose to give in to the sinful desires of the flesh, you will always yield to sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality, Galatians 5, 19. Jesus described the flesh as being weak in Matthew 26, 41. He warns us that the flesh is of no help at all in John 6, 63. Romans 5, 8 warns, when you live according to the flesh, when you choose to do what King Me wants, your mind will be focused on what the flesh wants. When your mind is set on getting what the flesh wants, you are going against God. Romans 8, 7 says you are hostile to God. Romans 8.8 8 warns that nothing you do, nothing you do when King Me is sitting on the throne of your heart will please God. In short, you're damaging your new heart. Oh, my friend, take care of the new heart that God has given to you. Stay away, far, far away from lust and porn and masturbation and all the other areas and aspects of sexual impurity. Don't even let a hint of it into your life. Don't play around with it. Don't let the the drippings of the adulteress get into your heart and draw you near to her door. The only way to ensure a healthy heart spiritually is to totally, unreservedly, at all times abstain from sexual immorality. Refuse to follow any form of the passions of the flesh. Well, if you'd like to learn more about today's study, Or if you're interested in learning more about our ministry, be sure to visit our website. We have a multitude of resources that we've made available to you there. You can find our website at thepuritycoach. It's all one word, thepuritycoach.com. Now, one of those resources I'd like to highlight for you here in this episode is my book entitled Extreme Mind Makeover, How to Transform Sinful Thoughts and Habits, into patterns of life that are pleasing to God. This book, Extreme Mind Makeover, takes you on a journey through the Bible to examine what 
God has to say about your thoughts and your words and your actions and how they directly influence, they directly impact your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 33, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. Matthew 12, 33. Your thoughts bear fruit. The fruit is your behavior, the things you say, and the things that you do. When you learn to train your mind, when you discipline your mind to think godly thoughts, then the fruit of your life, the things that you do day in and day out, are going to be godly. But on the flip side, when you allow your mind to think sinful, fleshly, ungodly thoughts, then the fruit of your life, the the daily attitudes, the daily actions, the daily words that you speak, will be ungodly. So, How do I change the way I think? How do I change the things that I do? How do I successfully and effectively guard my heart? Well, this book, Extreme Mind Makeover, takes you into God's Word to help you answer those questions. So go to our website, thepuritycoach.com, and check out our resources page. Or go directly to amazon.com. Do a search for Extreme Mind Makeover, or you can do a search for my name, Steve Etner, and purchase your copy today. Well, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. And if this has ministered to you, if this has blessed you, challenged you, or encouraged you, I ask you to do two things. First of all, would you please let others know about the Point of Purity podcast? Help us help men and women across the globe win their war for sexual purity and live in freedom. And then second, and this is so important, please take a few moments right now and go over to your favorite podcast player and rate our program and rate this episode. Here's why. Every time you do, your rating lets them know that this podcast is important. Your ratings help get this program and this ministry into the ears and the hearts of people across the globe. So, until next time, this is author, speaker, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, He must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. Thank you.